0: Anderson Afternoons, the podcast.
1: Hello, thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Kevin Klein, the chair of the Winnipeg Police Board. He will respond to this letter from Police Chief Danny Smythe. We're also going to talk to the king of retail in Winnipeg, Sandy Schindleman, the president of Shindico. Retail is changing. We'll discuss that and also... Bomber quarterback Chris Strebler will join us on the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. You think it's time to call in the military, Mark?
0: Well, no, not call. I yeah, wouldn't feel bad at all. I understand. Yeah, I, I wouldn't feel bad at all about having five, six guys doing their marching patrols you know there'd be no harm in it
1: you know what I I think think listen mark it, it might not be a bad idea i have ton of res- i have a ton of respect for uh, the members of our military and they're certainly available when we when we need them and uh it, it's a good question i'm going to ask you it of, uh, it of kevin klein the chair of the police board here right now okay Yep. All right. Thanks a lot, Mark. Appreciate it. Yeah, I want to hear your feedback today on this. This is a big deal. 204-780-6868. Counselor Klein, Charles Wood, uh, Tuxedo and Westwood, he is the chair of the police board. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, your reaction, first of all, to the letter uh, today to the uh, Winnipeg Police Service membership from Chief Danny Smythe.
0: You, you know, first and foremost, I, I have to say, the board takes health and well-being of all the members very seriously. And when I saw it, my initial thought is that you want leaders that uh, who acknowledge the hard work of their team members and the stresses that they face, and and that's what you want good leaders to do. Um, I When I first saw it, I knew that this was a letter from a cop to a cop, if I may use that term. And it was, you know a cop to a cop talking. It wasn't meant for the government. It wasn't meant for the media. And and that, uh, you know, struck me as I thought, wow, that uh, it, 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 it was concerning because it is a cop to a cop.
1: Yeah, I understand what you're getting at there. But as a taxpayer and, you know, here I am on the radio representing some of the taxpayers out there in what I say, we should know when it's this bad, right?
0: I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I I, you know, there's a lot that we should know that goes on at uh, City Hall. And uh, and, you know, we we talk about openness and transparency. Let's I think if we are honest about it, I think that, uh, you know, we're having open conversations about it. We can get action done. We can start dealing with these things if we simply ignore, uh, which is kind of what I, I believe is been done as a counselor, I can say that, right, that I think, you know, we've kind of ignored it. The facts don't cease to exist because of that. They still exist. We just are pretending like they're not as bad as we thought.
1: Yeah. And I find it interesting, uh, you know, that we're not going, we're told we're not going to hear from the mayor on this today. We'll hear a statement apparently maybe today or tomorrow, but we're not going to hear from the mayor on this today and everybody else, even minister Colin is commenting on this. You've made yourself available. I understand the mayor I think is in New York at a conference or something. I don't know. I think this requires reaction from the mayor. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll say this, that um,
0: I I believe, you know, when I ran for office, I I wanted to make a difference and I still I want to make a difference. Um, And as as a counselor, as an elected official, as a leader in the community, we we need to take action today. Uh, We need we need to sit down and figure this out. We need all levels of government like and i'm willing to do it any time of day they want to do it on the weekend i don't care i'll be there because this is something we have to address now we can't let party politics get into it we can't let you know uh, personal feelings get involved with this this is the the safety of our city that we're talking about everything else gets pushed behind everything else gets left at the door let's sit down as community leaders and do what i think people elect us to do and is fix these problems and deal with these head on
1: so what's the plan well you're the chair of the police board tell us the plan i know you guys are working on something and and what do you think of mo sabrin's idea the head of the police union that resources need to be redirected to deal with this
0: well i you know here's the the question that comes to mind for me on that is that we need to we need to understand the uh what the real issues are um i've seen the me- the memo that was released and i know what they're talking about but we don't know the specifics from the service right w- what are the areas that we're, we're we're hurting most in um i believe at the last public meeting that we had with the police board i said to uh dan uh, chief Smythe, you know tell me the top three things that are taking away your time tell me those three things that are impacting the service and public safety. Those are the things that I think we can start working on immediately and say, these have to change now so that we improve the level of of public safety. And I know there's opinions on both sides, and I don't want to play politics or get into political slants or or spinning this. But if you hire 300 officers right away and that fixes the problem, and then you have no more crime, well, everyone's going to be saying, well, we have 300 officers. Now what? Um, You know, extra officers. So I, I think we need to sit down and say, how do we fix this? Do we reallocate resources that are going to another area? Maybe. Do we reallocate some of our expenses that we're paying that i've talked about before do we reallocate those to you know general patrol officers instead of what we're putting them in right now these are the conversations and the tough conversations that we need to have and make decisions on and not study and not talk about not ignore we need to have that discussion and get it done
1: what do you think of mark's idea maybe get some help on a temporary basis from our military
0: you know look this does involve um the federal government and it involves a provincial government. First of all, if the drugs are coming in across our border, then the federal government needs to do something about that. They, they, you never hear them talking about that. We need, do we need more officers? Do we need more technology? How do we fix the problem there? Um, do we, you know, uh, then the province? We need to have more beds? How do we get those done quicker? How do we, you know, make more beds available to help these people that have a disease, right? The health officials have told us they have a disease. Mm -hmm. You know, I heard of a state, I think it's a a community in New Jersey, where they don't have safe injection sites. But what they have is called safe places. And what they do, from what I understand, is they give the drug to people um, that takes away your need for, it takes away your addiction cravings. It helps them get out of that role, right? Because in many prisons or facilities, they will give that so that it helps people inside not have those cravings, and it helps them get through. But when they get out, that's gone. Um, so there's a community that's taking a different approach. Yeah. They're saying, okay, instead of, instead of just giving you a safe place to go and take drugs, we're going to give you a safe place to go and not take drugs.
1: Yeah, And it is, Kevin, I agree with you. It's about uh, helping the people uh, uh, that are addicted. It's about more than just boots on the ground. But this letter, and again, you can read it at cjob.com from Chief Danny Smythe, says to me, we are at a point now where it's, yes, we've got to do that stuff, but how are we going to deal with... Well, for example, I, I don't know if you heard this or not. I played the clip of Mo Sabrin. When, when uh, we had almost 300 calls in the queue on the weekend, there were 30 in Calgary and Edmonton, in in Alberta. I mean, that's apples and orangutans. Uh, absolutely. I, I did hear that.
0: I was uh, quite taken back by that. I think we actually have uh, one of the highest, if not the uh, call highest, calls for service in the country. Um, we have the worst meth problem in the country. I've heard that uh, in talking with other police boards across the country, that uh, they they can't believe how bad we have it. Um, and, and I guess it goes back to uh, when the budget was uh, came out. The police board uh, officially put out a letter to all council and and said we believe there's risks in the in the budget, but the budget is the budget, um, and that's what we're required to do. So. Again, it's going to require actually sitting down, putting, you know, emotions aside, putting personal feelings of each other aside and getting this fixed now, like now, Um, because you're right. It's not just that, yes, it's people that have a disease and a, an addiction, but it's the six hundred and fifty seven hundred thousand 700,000 people that don't, that are, you know, having their homes broken into, that they're having their, you know, backyards uh, torn through, and they're having their cars broken into. We have to think of everybody, and, and that's, you know, why I think. That's part of the police board is to think about public safety and question what we're doing. And and I know that the board is eager to have a conversation with the service and find out what uh, we think can be done and and start making, you know, uh, looking at those suggestions and and trying to help, uh, you know, the way that we're allowed under the Police Act of Manitoba. It's somewhat limited, Um, but, you know, help how we can. And as a councillor, again, I'll say it, I'm, I'm happy to sit down with. Minister Cullen, tonight, you know what, at midnight, I don't care. Uh, I'm happy to sit down with any uh, of our current MPs and have, if they're actually going to bring something to the table, don't just come for a photo op.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Come, come if you're actually going to get something done. Like, right. no cameras, no cell, no cell phones allowed.
1: Kevin, Nobody, nobody's Kevin allowed to I'm, I, I apologize, Kevin, I'm right out of time. I'm up against the news here, but I do appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for doing this. You bet. Kevin Klein. he is the chair of the police board, also the councillor for Charleswood Tuxedo and Westwood, joining us on CJOB. Sandy Schindelman, the head of Shindico, joins us now. Sandy, good afternoon. Good good afternoon, Hal. Thank you very much for doing this. I, I saw a story out of the U.S. the other day, and that's why I wanted to get you on and why we're kind of focusing in on retail here in Winnipeg today. Analysts in the U.S. are predicting 12,000 stores down there could close this year, and they're saying e-commerce or online shopping is a, a big part of that. Uh, to blame uh, for that. And we're asking people at CGOB.com how do they shop? How is retail changing in Winnipeg?
2: Well, uh, Winnipeg was a little late to the party, but we've caught up. Uh, I watched uh, out my window, the neighboring building, uh, receive a lot of Amazon packages today. Now, no doubt the two-day Amazon Prime had something to do with that. But, Retail is under attack. Uh, the costs of operating retail in Winnipeg are very high. Uh, the retail properties tend to be over-assessed. Uh, the cash flow, of course, is not certain. There's been a tremendous rationalization already with the future shops and the Best Buys, and the Best Buy is again looking at their network, seeing if they need three stores in Winnipeg, maybe they could do with two it really is incumbent upon the retailer to capture their imagination of the customer i know uh several times i've gone into a retail store and they encouraged me to look for it online uh order it online uh if i want i can go to their computer and order it online well that's not going to get me in the store again and uh it's a problem for the kinds of goods that you can buy online because of the variety, uh, the ease. We're all very busy, and they have to uh, capture the minds. And we have changed uh, almost since day one a uh, disproportional amount of food service, uh disproportional amount of service, medical, uh, gyms where Retailers shunned away from them now want them. Uh, grocery stores are still uh, the f- in, in fashion. However, they're not growing in size. The 60 and 80,000 foot grocery stores, we've gone back to 38 and 40,000 foot stores. So those that were not prototyped that we were concerned about losing are very much in vogue now.
1: Are we seeing a, a sort of, I want to ask Sandy, are we seeing kind of a centralization of some of the retail? For example, you know, uh, Polo Park, we're, we're starting to see some action there in Polo Park. And, and we've talked, you mentioned, uh, you know, businesses uh, being over-assessed and, and we can certainly get into that. I've got nothing but time for you here today. Um, but are we seeing retail, uh, moving? So for example, we're seeing sort of a centralization of retail now in, in an area like Polo Park, but in other areas, uh, there are vacancies.
2: Right. Uh, there's definitely going to be a gravity model where they're going to, uh, flock together. Uh, only for convenience and service do they need to be away from those nodes. Uh, the, the customer is king. Uh, access, egress, parking becomes even more important. Uh, urban uh, development is not occurring here in the same level as it's occurred in other cities. Uh, we're active in Ottawa, Montreal, and Toronto in mixed-use urban, uh, and that's going very well because... The populations demand it.
1: We were talking about. uh, uh, Sorry, go ahead, Sandy.
2: Well, how far are you going to carry 20 pounds of groceries?
1: Right. Yeah. On foot. Yeah. And, and we were uh, talking about downtown this week. You know, the downtown biz has a survey. They want people to say, what do you want to see next in, in downtown Winnipeg? And, of course, I believe tomorrow we're going to find out more, hopefully, about what's what might happen to, uh, to Portage Place. And, and we were talking about, you know, how do we make the downtown even better? You talk about parking and, and some of that stuff. Um, boy, it, it's uh, you don't get a real good feeling about the downtown area being able to grow with retail, do you?
2: No, not with retail. Our downtown shopping district is Polo Park. It's close to downtown, and it's it has uh, a lot of those amenities. Uh, we've put a lot of emphasis on downtown at the expense of the suburban taxpayer and uh eventually they're going to get tired uh of paying taxes that are only going to improvements in downtown when they don't see a return for the government's expenditure downtown
1: that's interesting uh, i think a lot of people to- a lot of people would probably agree with that why am i paying for downtown development i never go down there
2: well uh, there has to be a happy median but i certainly think the pendulum has swung uh To a degree that eventually people will push back and what they're doing is they're building in the ex-suburban areas or their rms and they don't have to pay for uh, the government's ideas of what they need to do downtown Uh, eventually the market has to take over now uh, starlight is uh, proposing to do something Uh, that's great Uh, Never before has the land uh, and parking been offered uh, for sale. Uh, They were smart enough to get it consolidated. That will probably be what wins the day. Uh, They'll develop. They're developing with other people's money. And uh, it'll be great for downtown, but it won't change downtown. Uh, Portage Place can go from being a problem to not being a problem. But that doesn't mean the problem won't exist someplace else.
1: Sure, yeah, just moving it around, right? Hey, something else I noticed, and I wanted to ask you about this. Uh, I, all these strip malls around town, they're all getting facelifts. I mean, it's literally several of them that I drive by on a daily basis. Are they doing... Why is that happening? Are they trying to attract business to their mall, trying to make things look nice so they can try and, and, and get tenants? Or w- what is that all about? It's happening everywhere.
2: It, it's really going beyond the retailer to the to the uh, customer they want to make it more attractive point of sale more attractive facades uh, encouraging uh, greater opportunities for signage to draw customers to the mall and uh, when we find that when we do a refresh and we do a new design sales pick up i know that uh uh one tenant is closed right now Boston pizza on Taylor when they do a refresh they do they spend a lot of money uh, including on the exterior but it can increase sales as much as 10 or 20% and the location is the same and the staff is the same and uh for closing for a week or two uh they drive sales so you have to reinvest and once again uh assessment doesn't take uh that into account. They think that cash flow goes on forever, Uh, but it's essentially uh, there isn't a lot of opportunities for new retail, so people who own retail are reinvesting in their existing premises.
1: Right. You mentioned uh, at the at the start of this, Sandy, you mentioned that, uh, you know, retail has to try and, and make it more attractive for people to come in. You just said the storefronts are all being redone. As, what are some other things that retail is doing or should do, in your opinion, to try and get people walking through the front door of that store instead of going to their computer?
2: Well, uh, for one thing spending time with the retailer, the management, sometimes the retailers don't see what other people are doing. And it's incumbent upon uh, the managers to encourage people to say, listen, would you come in here if your carpets are that dirty? Would you come in here if your chairs were that uncomfortable? If your walls look like this, if your washrooms look like that? Uh, You've got to be entrepreneurial and you've got to encourage people to walk through the door. And it's incumbent upon us Uh, We have uh, half a dozen property managers and we're talking to our tenants daily. We want them to upgrade as well.
1: Hmm, interesting and you said that Winnipeg slow to the party uh meaning uh, you know the online uh, element and how that's hurting retail. Winnipeg and this is my 30th year in this wonderful community that I love so much. Uh you know it's always been a lunch bucket rock and roll blue collar town, right? And people want to shop locally. They want to walk to the, that store and walk through the door and support local ownership. And I think you're dead on Sandy that it is incumbent on retailers to do whatever they can so that Winnipeggers and Manitobans will shop locally because I think that's what every, or if not everyone, overwhelmingly uh, the most people want to do. They want to they want to support local. That's this community. They want to support the jobs, and I think that's fabulous.
2: But you know, if you go three times into a location and they encourage you to look at their website uh well, maybe you'll look at the website next time without going in yeah and uh th- that's the that's the retailer that's not the location that's not the facade that's mm. not the parking that's not the location it's the retailer and they are rationalizing the number of stores, no doubt they are they have slowed down uh new development uh a lot and uh maybe then they'll focus more internally. And get the traffic that uh, those locations deserve.
1: Hey Sandy, one other quick question, and then I've got to let you go. Sure. Um, do you think that uh, city hall should take a look at uh, helping out uh, retail uh, in a way through a tough time like this? Uh,
2: no, what city hall can do is get out of the way uh, you know with permitting and uh, occupancy and uh, encourage uh, the development. Encourage uh, the tax base not to be so overweighted to the retailer. Give them a break, but they don't have to do anything to
1: stimulate.
2: The Sandy
1: will take I, care of that. I really appreciate your time. It's always interesting talking to you, Sandy. Thanks a lot for this.
2: Great, Hal. Have a great day and welcome and 30th anniversary. Thank We're you. 30th anniversary.
1: Yeah, I remember. I'll tell you what, Sandy. I remember yeah. one of my first lunches in town. I was at Ray and Jerry's and you were in the next table over to me, and I was told very early on in my years here in Winnipeg, that's an important guy right over there, Sandy. You were sitting at the table next to me. You don't remember because you wouldn't have remembered me. I was I was, uh, was nobody it, at was that. Was it Friday?
2: <laughs> was well, a Friday? of course it was a <laughs> Friday.
1: Yes, of course. Sandy, <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Joining us on the phone, Blue Bomber quarterback Chris Stravler. Chris, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for being am, yeah, thank you for coming on. I'll tell you what, I don't know if you got wind of this or not, but you were on with our morning show the other day, The Start, MacLean, McGarry, and McNabb, and you were hilarious. And I said this on my show that afternoon. I talked to Bob Irving. I've told anybody who will listen. I said, we got to get this guy on the radio more. You are a natural-born broadcaster. All right. Well, um, i told I have the face for radio. So that's <laughs> well, perfect. that's a good start. That is a good start. So, <laughs> listen. Any like if you want to bring your your buddy Wally, and you know, maybe we'll do a a Chris and Wally roundtable, or I don't, whatever. If you've got yeah. time and you get the go ahead from the bombers to do it, I'd love to have you on my show on a regular basis.
3: You know what? We we can get that done. I live with him. So he's actually taking a nap in the other room right now. So there you sure go. Get that
1: done. All right. Yeah. So let you and I are going to work on that, okay? All right. We'll get it done. Okay. I'd love that because uh, I just think you're you're fantastic. And do you ever think about what's after football? Because a lot of football guys go on to be broadcasters. Doug Brown's part of our broadcast crew. Do you ever think what comes after football for you?
3: You know, I you know, I've done quite a bit of thinking about it and um done some planning just with my academics. You know, I've got a have got a master's degree in sport management. So, um you know, I did some work this off-season managing a basketball facility. Um you know, I think in the off-season I I'm going to try to continue to get different internships and off-season jobs just to see what I do and don't like, but you know, I I never really uh, thought about broadcasting maybe potentially in the future, but you know, I think I'm still kind of going through that process of looking at what I do and don't like doing.
1: Yeah, well, I'm telling you, man, you you've got a natural gift of gab, and you got a great sense of humor and a good wit, and I think you'd be great. So listen, four and oh, yeah, four, and I mean it, man, and I mean it, four and oh, congratulations, what a great start, eh?
3: Yeah, I mean, I couldn't couldn't be going any better. Obviously, four and oh, exactly where you want to be, but you know, I mean we just need to continue to keep getting better on a day-to-day basis and you know focus on how we continue to improve from there you know cuz even though it's 4-0 it hasn't it hasn't been perfect and there's plenty of things that we need to continue to improve on
1: well in the next several games here you know they're not gimmies on the on the board but they should be games that you can win you should be able to run this to and I don't want to jinx anything but you should be able to go to 6 and 0 7 and 0 before you you come up against Calgary and then I think that's going to be a real tough one as it always is
3: I mean, the the thing with professional football, and especially the CFL, is every game is a tough game. And if you, don't, if you don't bring your A game, you're not going to win. And that's just the bottom line. So, you know, we don't overlook anybody, no matter what their record is or what our record is. It's more about what our preparation is like on a day-to-day basis and a week-to-week basis. So, you know, it doesn't matter who we're playing, but we continue to prepare the same way every single day and every single week. And, you know, at the end of the day, that, that will continue to take care of itself with our preparation and the way that we work.
1: You know, I think being a backup quarterback, especially one with a lot of talent like you, I think that can be a a frustrating position and a frustrating role. But here's what I like about the way the Bombers have handled this. You aren't the backup quarterback. You are another one of our starting quarterbacks. You are an important part of the game. Talk about how cool that is, the way the Bombers and Coach O'Shea are sort of treating this situation. Matt Nichols is the guy. We get it. He deserves that role. But they've been just really great about I think making you feel comfortable uh, comfortable about your role,
3: yeah, definitely. I mean, they do a great job on a week to week basis of just game planning, you know what you know I kind of go into a game every week with with a package, you know sometimes it's bigger than others or smaller than others, but you know, there's always a set of plays and a package, and um on top of being able to ex- execute you know what our normal game plan is so You know, I just give a ton of of credit to, like you said, Coach O'Shea, Lapo, Buck. They do a great job of spending extra time game planning that stuff, ways to, you know, get me involved with the game in the short yardage package and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's super fun, and any any opportunity that I get to be on the field, you know, I want to make the most of it, and, um, you know, I'm super thankful for that opportunity. So, um, you know, I I always – I'm always thankful
1: for that. Tell me about some of the favorite things from – what are some of your favorite things about Winnipeg?
3: Um, the people, you know, I mean, I think it's just good people up here. Like everywhere I go, it's Bombers fans stopping me or like, you know, I'm walking out of the stadium today. There's people walking to the Bombers store talking about, oh, hey, Chris, like, how's it going? Like, I just think it's really good people here, man. And, um, you know, they're super supportive, especially of the Bombers, but just, just nice people in general. So I think that's kind of been my, my biggest takeaway from, from Winnipeg and honestly, Canada as a whole is just a lot of good people here that you know, care about the bombers. So it's been uh it's a super fun place to play. And, you know, the more I live here, the more, you know, kind of fun knickknack kind of spots that I find. And, you know different spots like that, so you know I, I really enjoy being here and living here and playing for the Bombers.
1: I'll tell you, man. I hope you're here for a long time. This year is my 30th year in Winnipeg. I came from Alberta, oh. and I came in the middle of a snowstorm in February of 1989. And I thought, what the hell am I doing here? Like yeah, there's snow everywhere. Think, what am I doing? There? Yes, I know. But after a while, man, you're right. It's the people. It's just the best place ever, man. It really, truly is, and I mean that from the bottom well, of my heart. So I hear. I hope you're here for a long time playing for us for a long time
3: I, I i sure do too i mean and you hit it right on the head i mean good people here although the weather can be a bit shady at yep, times yep. Like, towards the later months but you know i mean that's i'm no stranger to that i mean i grew up in chicago spent time in minneapolis south dakota so i've been i've been in that that doesn't really bother me at all
1: yeah hey chris thanks a lot for taking a few minutes here and like i said man open invitation we're going to work on i'd love to have you on on a regular basis and i really mean that all right, uh, we'll, we'll work it out with the Bombers. Okay. that would be great. Excellent. Chris, thanks a lot. All right, thank you. Bomber quarterback Chris Stravler joining us here uh, this afternoon on CJOB. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.